It could well trigger a new era for our national game. The Gaelic Players Association met formally for the first time in Belfast last night. Players probably feel it's time that maybe some of their ideas were heard. The Breakaway Gaelic Players Association and the GAA hierarchy seem set on a collision course tonight. And the official recognition agreement between the GAA and GPA uh, provides for um, joint commercial ventures. The player development programme that's in place is something that's vital to the well-being of our players. You do your utmost to, to serve the members and uh, that excites me a whole bunch. Every day, you know, we're working with players. They're the centre of everything that we do. You're very welcome along to the Players Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association. My name is Kieran McSweeney, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Leash Footballer Colin Begley. Colin, uh, big week. Uh, the Alliance League's back this weekend. How are you are you set personally and how are Leash set ahead of the, the new campaign? Yeah, big week, big week. Um good to see the hurling back starting up last weekend. There's a good bit of energy around the place, wasn't there? Watching an even game starting, so well done to all the teams involved in that. Um yeah, we're playing on Sunday against Clare. Um and yeah, look personally good, uh, I feel. The the old body's holding up all right. Um it's good good back training. Good to be back in training at the start of the year, but actually sunshine and, and good and good weather. But um yeah, so you just don't know. We, we actually had a practice game, and thankfully we were able to get practice games. I know it was good to have that over the weekend. Oh boy, we played Limerick, and it was a good challenge for us. And you do all the training you want, like, but to actually play against a team, you don't know what they're doing. And and yeah, it was good, a good challenge for us. We actually played two games. We obviously got our full squad out. and wanted to give everyone as much time as possible before we can go into a full game. So um, that was good to get on Sunday. And yeah, um, four o'clock Sunday for us against Clare. Big game for us. Um, it's a very competitive Division 2 at the moment and most divisions obviously that's why the league is so good it's very competitive so looking forward to it looking forward to getting back into games and feeling the body being in bits for two days afterwards but we survive we love the game drive on so you're in Division 2 South Clare yourselves Cork and Kildare is that right? yeah Cork and Kildare yeah 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 you know true um, it's 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 it's, a, it's tricky. I know Clare everything the same, but like the first game, always in the league, like you're like the first game. If you get a win, it's a nice little settler, you know. But for this one, situation's even more so because we're going to be playing obviously this game, and then you know this will set the standard for so a big game for both teams. But look, I think it's a, a good matchup. And as you say, it's just a, I think it's just another sign of positivity, um, and the optimism that seems to be there now. Look. Sport is only a very, very small part of the overall situation as it regards COVID-19 and what everyone has been through in the last 18 months. But for those of us who love sport, it's a bigger part of it. And the fact that games are on, I was able to watch games on TV last week, it was just, it, it just, I don't know, it was just a touch of normality coming back. Yeah, it's another strength of the ball. Like you can see even things here in, in society, you know, places open and up, and you can see that that's bringing back even small things, but it's bringing back a little bit of energy to people. Um, it's been a long, a long tough time for a lot of people in the senses of that, and often sport is a a bit of a release for them, whether it be watching um, or for players being involved in, and lads have been training on their own for a long time. So this has come to playing matches now, and I know it'll bring a big boost to them. Um, and then, like I said, to, to the community around the place as well. Clubs are back training this week too, which is massive. I know even you can see the energy in my club teams, WhatsApp going, getting bigger and better. So, look, it's it's some it's another release for people. Um, and it's another way of engaging with people 
in a safe environment, um, you know, down with training out, outdoors. So anything we can give like that um, adds benefit and, and helps a lot of people. So delighted to see it back. Well, look, the very best to look for the season ahead, Colin, apart from the games against Cork, obviously. Um, um, look, a big week um, in terms of the Gaelic Players Association, big week in terms of um, developments for the female membership in particular early in the week, but some big announcement as well for, for our male members um, later in the week in, in terms of grant funding, etc. But um, great to have Deirdre Murphy, uh, the former Clare player, with us as our guest on the Players Voice this week. And Deirdre was there at the inception of the WGPA. She was part of the, the team that went and negotiated with Sport Ireland, the government, with the uh, governing bodies, Ladies Gaelic Football and Camogie Association, but really drove that agenda around getting funding for female inter-county players back in 2017, um, that initial funding, and obviously that took a huge step forward on Monday, but real, real positivity there as well. M- massive, Kieran, and like, uh, it's, it's something you know, I can't wait to hear from Deirdre because she's been involved from the start and a lot of people doing a, lot, a huge amount of work in the background. We would have seen a bit of it over the last number of months with Gemma, who's done huge work in the office, um, herself and Kieran working together with that and then Maria and Aoife Lane and so on. So, but I think, you know, people see a figure, you know, and it's great, but what it means to the players and what will provide the players is the real kind of message. And I think um, sometimes... You know, as a, as, a, as a male player, I can probably take for granted what I have available to me and the environment we have. Um, and I'm just going to see this. I can't wait to hear how this will drive the, the female game on even more. And uh, just a hugely positive um, success story and, and, and delighted to hear that it got through the gate. So it's, it's, it's wonderful news. Yeah, and I think the, the, the one of the key bits of this as well is that, look, these things don't just happen at the flick of a switch or at the click of someone's fingers. This takes work. It takes effort it takes negotiation it takes research it takes data it takes time but um and it's important to recognize that as well that a lot of people put in a lot of effort to 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 get um get it to the situation that was allowed the announcement to be made on monday well look we'll be hearing from deirdre murphy in just a couple of moments the gaelic players association representing the interests of all intercounty players protecting their welfare on and off the pitch and supporting their development as people well, we're delighted to be joined now on the Players' Voice by Deirdre Murphy, the former Clare Camogie player, a founding member of the WGPA, former employee with the Camogie Association, currently working as part of the IT project management team at the University of Limerick, and also playing club Camogie still with Clooney Quinn. Uh, Deirdre, you're very welcome to the Players' Voice. Thanks a million, Kieran. Thanks for having me. Look, it's obviously a huge week for um, female inter-county sport with the announcement on Monday by the Minister of State Jack Chambers um, and by Minister Catherine Martin that equitable funding will now be made available for inter-county players both male and female from 2021. This is an immediate step that they're going to take. Your initial reaction to that news first of all Deirdre? I suppose, sure, it was just a big wow, you know, it's great news, hugely positive, Um, and there's no downsides to it from from an inter-county camogie player point of view or ladies footballer point of view, so uh, just absolutely thrilled for, um, I suppose, everybody involved and particularly for the players and future players that are going to benefit from it. 
Look, you were there at the inception of the WGPA. You were there when the initial conversations were being had with the government at that stage about securing funding for um, female intercounty players, both in Camogie and ladies Gaelic football. It's come a long way since those days. Yeah, it has. Well, I suppose it's what we wanted starting out. I mean, it was an obvious starting point. Um, at the time, I was working as the GA development officer in UL, and I mean, every male intercounty player was getting a, a thousand euro of a grant, and they had, you know, the 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 other additional stuff on top of it, and. Uh, you know, it just seemed uh, a starting point that would make such a difference. Uh, and I suppose all of us that are current or former players know people who maybe would have been a huge asset to their county team, but while they were in college or whatever, you know, had to prioritise part-time work and they, they wouldn't be able to just give their Saturdays and Sundays to be an inter-county player. So, um, you know, we initially, I suppose, were very much focused on um, the, the help to the teams to get maybe those resources that was very difficult for female teams to get the funding for, whether the more high performance aspect or even access to facilities and that kind of stuff and, and physio and maybe strength and conditioning, that kind of. So I suppose even our initial proposal was very much drafted on the basis of a, a team grant as opposed to individual supports. Um, I, I look, I think this is part of the reason why we wanted to talk to you on the players voice, because while the announcement is made on on Monday and look, it's hugely positive and all that, I suppose it's important to reflect and talk about the fact that, look, this has been, a, I hate the phrase, but it has been a journey from back uh, when those discussions were having up until, um, to, until that announcement on Monday. Just in terms of when you went to speak to um, the Department of Sport and government officials at that stage, and I think it was Minister Michael Ring and, and Junior Minister Patrick O'Donovan at the time would have been the incumbents. What was their initial reaction? Were they always receptive to the idea? Uh, they were, and like everywhere, I suppose the initial meeting that really gave us the courage was myself and Aoife Lane met John Tracy. And I suppose we set the context, we told our story, we showed our proposal and he just couldn't believe that some of this wasn't basic, you know, and very much was kind of like, hey, go for this. You need to have this. We'll back you up if you can get as far as us. But it's the ministers how are the people who say yes or no. And I suppose that gave us the courage. There was a lot of support from, I suppose, within the offices of um, the ministers as well. And I suppose we felt we were treated very cordially and, you know, that there was a genuine want to, to support what we were putting forward. But in the context of, I suppose, government and, and anything with, with limited or scarce resources, I suppose people are always looking at, at precedent. And I suppose, you know, you'd be thinking this is going well and then you might hear things for a couple of months. And next thing you know, it all happened fast in the end, similar to... To, I suppose the announcement the other day as well, you know, that that would be, I suppose, backbreaking work on behalf of Jimmy Begley and her team for over maybe a year, year and a half, you know. And I suppose while they were receptive and, and as you say, the, the meeting with um, John Tracy and Sport Ireland receptive as well, but all based on the fact that you guys had presented a strong case. You had you had laid out the data, you laid out the facts, the figures, and, and that's ultimately what, what, what won them over. 
Well, sure. That is, I suppose, the least that anyone can expect if they're looking for something is that you make a very strong and compelling case backed up by real cold, hard facts and and clear research. And I suppose we were never under any illusion that that was the only way that, you know, you can't just knock on the door and, and ask for, for anything that you have to present. Uh, a very clear, I suppose, business case. I mean, business is the wrong word, but I mean, if you look at what an intercounty player delivers in their community, in their club, two or three intercounty standard players in my own club at the moment, Orla Dogan, Kira Grogan, Maraid Ryan, they drive the whole thing. They drive the ambition. The next thing you have a couple of players on minor under 16 panels and really committed club players that love playing because of what's uh, I suppose the team is able to to achieve together. And I think all of that to a large extent in parishes across the country is being driven by those elite players and the role models that they are and the standards that they set and the fun that they bring and ultimately that they keep their team competitive, um, which is what people enjoy. So I suppose we were able to make a very good case around that, that the, that the benefits that inter-county players bring on a national scale to such a local level um, are so um, strong, I suppose, that, you know, that the case we were making for 2.4 million is, you know, a small change in comparison to what players contribute to their communities and to their, their clubs and their counties. And as you say, you guys put forward the case for 2.4 million, and this was back in 2017, if, if memory serves me correct. Um, I suppose that squared the circle a little bit last Monday when that 2.4 million was the figure that was announced. Yeah, and like I remember at the time, you know, when the, I suppose, you know, the, this time, I mean, all the work is Gemma's and, and Maria's and I know there's a few of us might have got a phone call here and there in the background, but um, I suppose I was very involved in the initial proposal and all that side of it. And I suppose when we actually got something, it was like, Oh, it was great to get something, but first you heard it was a million and then it was a million over two years. And, you know, so you you were delighted that we had something. And yet when, you know, when you looked at dividing it out between counties, it was sizable enough to make a difference to counties, but not a seismic difference, I suppose. And um, I think that's where, in particular, Gemma, she just stayed with this. They got it brought from the, the half a million year to 700,000 and, and, you know, very strategically have worked towards it. And I suppose the big red letter day um, in this side of it was their presentation uh, to the Oireachtas. And I suppose Mary O'Connor from the Federation for Irish Sport, I suppose, is such a strong advocate for women in sport as well. And her own profile was hugely, um, I suppose, beneficial to have her on board with that as well. So I, I would say that it is a long process. And I suppose... You know, if you think of Gemma Begley, the Tyrone ladies football player, you know, determined and, and a leader and, you know, innovative as well. I think all of those things uh, were brought to bear um, in, in you know, this new equity and parity of esteem being um, brought forward. And the only other thing I could say in that is that, that Howie Lane managed this from start to finish in the initial way and the impression that she created with everyone she met was, I would say, the reason that the initial funding was secured. And look, before I let Cullum in, I don't want to be hogging the microphone, but just in terms of, and you mentioned that look, the, the initial agreement, one million euro across two years, I suppose it was significant 
look, obviously, first of all, from a, a financial point of view, but not seismic, as you say, but it was just there was that precedent set. There was that recognition that this is something that is the right thing to be doing. Um, and while the the money didn't stack up as you would have wanted at the time, it was a first maybe foot on that ladder. Absolutely. And I think it is just the recognition that, you know, there's an equality issue here. And, you know, an awful lot of the time people see, you know, if, if you're not deeply involved in, in female inter-county sports, you see them maybe the day of the, the Camogie All-Ireland, you think, God, isn't it fabulous? These girls, they're, they're so fit and they're having a great time. And they don't maybe realise that it's, it's quite different in terms of the inputs and the resources in comparison to their male counterparts. So that even in terms of take out the money, as you said, the recognition factor. And I think, again, that was huge for, for uh, female players across the country in the WGPA and the GPA becoming the one organisation. You know, and I, I've always found that top players, male players, are hugely, I suppose, invested and appreciative in anyone, male or female, that gets to the top of their sport or puts everything into their sport to the best of their ability. And that any kind of outdated views of female sport are usually held by people who were, you know, no good themselves. <laughs> you know? Well, well, I... I, I... I, 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 I hold my hands up as, as being one of those people who was no good myself at playing, unfortunately. <laughs> I, don't, I came across a bit wrong. But, you know, <laughs> not, that, that I think anyone that plays at this level understands the sacrifice, whether it's, you know, Sanita Puspore and, and the... the the, the boys in the rowing or whether it's top level soccer, camogie, yeah. you know, figure skating, whatever, anyone that is, you know, has put a lot into sport realizes that um, a lot goes into it and 100%. they admire that regardless of who does it, I think. Yeah, he always says that in every, every podcast, fishing for a compliment from the guest or from myself, looking, oh, you're a great here and you're actually very good. So <laughs> game at all. Just look for some but it's funny, on that, dude, I, I, First of all, listen to all that. It's fantastic when you hear someone talking about in the journey that Kieran mentioned, um, the huge achievement. But I kind of look at it from a player's perspective, and I think that's kind of how I dive into it because you mentioned the first when you presented. I think the John Tracy. He said like he kind of recognised these are basics. You obviously use the grants initially. Um, support players with probably a better environment, playing and training environment through the services of maybe SNC and physios. And for the male counterparts, they are really seen from for most teams, probably some some smaller teams or lower tier teams are still uh, finding it difficult, but they are basics for us. And I think that's hugely important to recognize that, like, you know, we are trying to support this funding is supporting players to get the basics and to improve the environment they're able to give. Because I know we see it in the office here with, with Gemma when she's playing and with Jenny, who obviously is in office with as well, that the effort and all the training they're doing is is immense. Um, and to not have these basics there to support them is really a, a massive issue. So, um, can you just tell me about you know how that seven hundred thousand or a million first seven hundred thousand, how that greatly improved the environment for players in your mind, and what you think it will do now with the additional investment, how that could improve possibly going forward. Well, I suppose yeah. Okay, uh, firstly the the basics, and, and it's very important not to kind of you know, be given the impression that 
the the WGPA or the GPA rode in and, and fixed everything and not at all. I mean, what you have, I suppose, considered as basics in the men's game is, I suppose, just a greater level of resource full stop. So it's very difficult for people in you know, county board officer positions and and uh, involved as volunteers uh, in ladies football and camogie to, you know, it's not that they didn't want to provide a, a level, you know, it's it's where the resources there. So I, I think, you know, we always from the start wanted to have a harmonious kind of a relationship with, with everyone we would feel all have the interest of the games at heart. And I think that's where the, the initial grants, you know, were team grants and we were looking at providing, I suppose, resources that we knew didn't exist. There was no point, you know, no one had interest in going after expenses before those basics were covered or before some type of funding could be provided to assist counties in delivering on their SNC requirements, their more regular physio, their more regular um I suppose access to, to facilities or gyms or whatever. So that was the route we took. And I suppose it was a recognition that, you know, you have to start where, you know, there was anyone that's an elite player, they want the opportunity to get the best out of themselves. You know, um, of course, and, and it's great to see, and hopefully I suppose expenses to some extent will be now a possibility to be looked at, but like where people want to you know be an All Ireland winner, to compete at the the level of your your Corks or your Kilkennys or your Galways or whatever. Well, you have to be able to have the same resources in terms of coaching, in terms of SNC, in terms of the physio, all that kind of stuff. And that's where the players were very clear and made very clear. That's where everyone wanted anything that was got to go first, you know, because. It, you know, that was, I suppose, the first and foremost thing that you probably see every day is that nobody loves the game more than the players. And that's their priority. Now that it's moved on and that you're looking at as priority of esteem, you can maybe look to address the, the huge imbalance that's there in terms of intercounty male players rightly being able to be reimbursed for um, their travel expenses and their, their time on the road and things. But um, it just wasn't a consideration at the time. There was so many other things uncovered. Of course, yeah. No, it makes sense. And it'd be great to see that recognition, hopefully, with expenses and stuff to be able to provide to female players going forward as I... Yeah, and, and as you mentioned there, I suppose the detail of how the 2.4 million is going to be allocated is to be fleshed out. And I suppose, you know, initially the, the thought process would be that the the team grants and, and that some kind of a mixture of that that best fits the model that's there, that, that shows progress and has real benefit for every panel member, both in terms of, I suppose, access to resources and facilities and also maybe that bit of compensation as well um, in terms of their own time and loss of earnings and things. Of course, and I'd hope from this that you'd have you know longer careers or players that could stay involved in the game for longer, knowing that they get some form of reimbursement or, or the time allocated would be, would be easier managed for them as well um, with both the supports and I suppose the investment. Um, so. Yeah, forward. yeah, it's hard to kind of articulate it because, you know, players all play because they love the game. You're just yeah. trying to, I suppose, make sure that you're not just losing out on people for practical reasons that, that you know, are quite small. And yet they're, they're deal breakers if you're talking about people coming, traveling from Dublin. And I think it's hugely affects the, um, the more rural counties, you know. 
And yeah. I suppose for an awful lot of players, and you, know, you see the stories that maybe even the Mayo lads there coming up to, to the recent All-Ireland, that I suppose it is a lifestyle choice that you make if you're living in somewhere in Dublin and you decide that you still want to play for Clare or Cork or Kerry or Tipperary or Galway or anything. I mean, it just means that you're you're spending an awful lot of time on the road and that there's a sustainability factor with any of that. And, and the more that... Uh, we can support players to do that, um, I suppose, in a balanced way, the better. Yeah, I suppose, dear John, one last thing on that, like it's, you have to commend, even though players are very passionate and love playing the game, and we, we were very lucky to be, I suppose, representing our counties as well. Like, if I'm being fully honest, you know, if I was to be travelling up and down, even to Leash, but definitely to longer places, which some players are, you know, you mentioned Mayo and the Cork and stuff from, from longer distance, two-hour travels, if I was to have had to do that without being reimbursed, and it's not about the money, but having that cost put on me every week for a long period of time over the year, you know, I, I don't know if I've been, if I'm being honest as a player, I don't know if I'll be able to go as long as I have gone. Um, you know, I'm 34 now, going 35. Mm. Would I have been able to go to this stage? I don't know. I'd have to weigh it up. So, and that's and that's when it kind of, the, I suppose, the issue you want to take off the female players' hands, and that you don't want the small thing to be that. They have to consider not playing the game anymore because they they're not getting reimbursed for for for, for expenses or for or, or getting the environment they need to train. So I, I commend the female players how how committed they are to it, and fingers crossed this just adds another level to supporting them and, and, and building the game even more going forward. Yeah, and look, if it's been done for one sex, it should be done for the other end of story. And I suppose fitting that into where I suppose, you know, every time you're talking to players or as as a former player yourself, you don't want to be seen as this crowd that are you know riding roughshod over everything and not considering the clubs or not considering the the main values of the game I think it's the opposite of that I think it's it's trying to push the agenda so that all of those things are better for for the next crowd really exactly and Deirdre one final question on this part of the conversation just as regards the role of the Camogie Association and the Ladies Gaelic Football Association um, in the initial stages of um, securing the funding back in 2017 and all through, look, look while it was um, an agenda driven by the WGPA um, uh, initially, you couldn't have got there where you were without the cooperation of the two um, governing bodies. Oh, God, not at all. And probably that should have, you know, when I started talking about John Tracy, that was probably the next thing I should have said that, I mean, none of this could be done without the buy-in of the two organisations. And from day one, when we met them, they could see that this was a positive for for everybody and that players and counties would gain. And, I, you know, we might have had whatever original proposal. I mean, that was tweaked and changed and there was huge contributions made by by the likes of Joan O'Flynn, who would have been very good around the that kind of stuff, you know, and that um, uh, Helen O'Rourke the same they all came on board with it it was a joint proposal and the way it's all administered it, it, to, to date I mean it's still very much um, a collaborative process and you know that's I suppose what the WGPA or the GPA can bring there's there's times you have to maybe force an agenda but all of us are in it for the same reasons and I suppose sometimes a players organization can make noise about things that that somebody who's an NGO can't and uh, other times there's I suppose 
as players, we might be looking at things from a certain angle where the the administrators or the people at the top have to look at with a much wider lens. So, you know, I, I can only say that from the point of view of the initial process and getting the funding, uh, once the two organisations saw that this was going to benefit players in the counties, they, they were on board and worked really hard to make it happen and made savagely valuable contributions as well. Well, look, I think it's it, it was important just to, to look back and recognise that, 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 that word journey. I think when you say journey, it sounds like something that one of the contestants on the X Factor were always told they're on. But, but the journey that has been taken from, from that those initial stages up until Monday's announcement. Obviously, look, Deirdre, I, I appreciate your, your time, um, but just wanted to touch as well on the fact that, look, the Littlewoods National Camogie Leagues go ahead this weekend. Um, thankfully, resolution found to what potentially was a, a, a tricky situation. Um, the split season um, being um, going ahead with, um, I suppose, look, your view on that um, and I suppose it, a solution has been found, maybe not the perfect solution, but but at, at least it allows the season to move forward. Yeah, sure. look, it was just, I suppose, regrettable from start to finish. Um, the the big, you know, it was, I suppose, you have to credit the Camogie Association for going back to their members when there was clear disappointment and disquiet um, with the original proposal. I suppose looking in at it, you just wonder why all that communication couldn't have been done beforehand because the major casualty now, obviously, is the, the provincial and All-Ireland fixtures. And like, if I had put a ball over the bar, it's... Uh, a minute left in our own county final, you know, it, it's Fika Kilanina who beat us are, are in a Munster Club final now, which is, and, and similarly, Aina Kilimona in my own county, and, and they're huge occasions for clubs, and it looks like they're not going to be facilitated now, where um, it, it's great, you know, that that I suppose it's been resolved to an extent, but um, I think maybe the, the dialogue piece, if it happened a bit earlier, there, there wouldn't have been a reason why, why those games couldn't have been fitted into the structure as well. Um, so I suppose glad to see that, um, that um, you know, that people's views were taken on board. But it, but the outcome, I suppose, 53 to 47 shows that it, it was very, very close. And I, I don't think there's there's been any winners in this. And I suppose it just makes... Um, the case that everyone has to look at their processes and procedures and consultation and all that kind of stuff and also to acknowledge that any of the decisions made given the pandemic um were all done with the best will in the world and i suppose you know um that it's it's hard to to get things right when the the season is is that bit shorter and um i, I don't really know what more to say on it only that sure you just I suppose initially you'd be going, how has this happened again? And it just looked like that things were moving really forward in a positive way, that there was another big upheaval. And um, thankfully, I suppose, to an extent, it's behind us now and the leagues go ahead at the weekend and things. But um, it's just one of those things that you chalk down as avoidable, I suppose, and, and a pity that it happened. Well, look, I suppose um, lessons to, to be learned from it, but um, looking forward to games being back. Um, this Saturday, I think that that the first games in the in the Little Woods Camogie League. Yeah. Um, Deirdre, um, and you... just to wish Claire and, and Jer O'Connell and uh, Claire Heher and all the the Clare girls the, the best luck uh, against Galway on Saturday for sure. 
Uh, Deirdre, you're very good. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Look, you were very generous as well in terms of what you said about the role of um, different people in terms of the initial funding for female inter-county players. Pay tribute to a lot of people, including Gemma Begley, including Aoife Lane. But Gemma Begley, when she was doing the introduction of myself to yourself to set this up, she described you as the brains behind the initial idea. So um, so um, I, I, I hope you, you took a, a little bit of pride out of of Monday's announcement as well and, and and the role you would have played in that. Thank you very much indeed for your time, Deirdre. Not at all, Kieran. Thanks Thank a million. You. Hi, my name is Dr. Diltimo Kogan and I'm the UPMC in Ireland sports medicine physician. I'm the team doctor for the Mead Senior Football Team and I'm also a qualified physiotherapist holding a master's in sports and exercise medicine. For all athletes, recovery plays a key role in injury prevention. Many injuries can be prevented or even minimized through active recovery. This is particularly true after a hard training session where recovery almost extends on as part of that session. I suggest foam rolling, stretching, low intensity, non-weight bearing exercise, such as swimming and cycling. Adequate rest and sleep are very important as well as good hydration throughout the day. Early treatment can result in shorter recovery and reduced time from play. Many players underreport injuries to avoid being pulled from play or competition. By not reporting or addressing an injury in a timely fashion, a niggle can quickly turn into a more serious injury. With early intervention, a player may be able to continue to play while receiving ongoing treatment rather than being pulled from play and missing important competition. If you're injured, it's important to engage with your physio or team doctor and follow the treatment or rehab programs that are set out for you. It's important to stick to the assigned rehab program and follow the prescribed advice. Many athletes are tempted to do additional exercise or work outside of their rehab program, thinking that it will speed up their return to play. The opposite is often true and it often results in further serious injury. Unfortunately, there are no quick fixes. Don't be tempted by flashy treatments that you might read about on social media or the internet. Choose an experienced, regulated and trusted team for your sports medicine care. And thanks very much to our official healthcare partner, UPMC, for that as always. And you can see more um, about that particular episode of the UPMC series on our social media channels as well. Colm, um, look, it was great to hear from Deirdre Murphy there to to reflect on what's been a, a positive week in terms of funding of uh, inter-county sport and female inter-county sport in particular. Um, and important just to, to recognise that on the player's voice. Yeah, curious to recognise it. As a, it's a huge step, Kieran. Um I think as well, as we mentioned before in the intro, but like the amount of work that's gone behind closed doors. And, and Deirdre made a good point of the collaboration as well, you know, the, the requirement or the impact of people working together and, and to try and help and benefit players is the overall goal from this. And um, it's great to see people on board. I think it's it's a huge step for the inter-county game and it's been, for female players, it's been driving forward and it's getting bigger and bigger. So this again will provide another outlet and another resource for those players and for the game to grow even more. And look, that's that's what we want to see. We want to see better, better, better environment for players, um, the better game overall for the associations. And, and it was great to hear Deirdre talk about. Uh, she spoke brilliantly, and uh, you can tell a lot of passion involved in it. And fair play to for her coming on and sharing the story. Well, look, that's all we've time for on the players' voice for this episode. Thank you very much for listening, and come back to us again the next time. Thanks, Claire.